Our readings for Tenebrae, a service of darkness, tells our story directly from Scripture at the final hours of the life incarnate for our Lord. These are the last words spoken by Jesus from the cross. In addition to Holy Scripture, I hope to stir our imaginations to identify with the original hearers of those words spoken from the bruised and bleeding lips of our Savior. Let yourself imagine the smells of that day, none of them good. The jostling of the crowd, the pushing, the cursing, the spitting. Consider these images as though you were standing near enough to Jesus' mother to hear her muffled cries. Close enough to the cross of Jesus to discern his whispered prayers. Startled by the soldiers' haunting laughter and to recoil at the cold rhetoric of the religious leaders who knew they were responsible for the execution of an innocent man simply for his words and deeds that undermined their grip on power, ignoring all the indications of who he truly is, the long-awaited Messiah, ushering in the kingdom of God. Consider the first words in Luke 23, where Simon of Cyrene was forced to carry the heavy crossbeam that Jesus was soon to be nailed to, pausing on the way to the hill of the skull and listening to Jesus address the women mourning and weeping. After ascending the hill where Jesus would be nailed to the crossbeam and hoisted up on the scaffolding, where gravity became the primary enemy of life, in exhaustion and shock, pressed on every side by the crowd, I imagine Simon stood there, hearing the words meant for all. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We turn our attention to the criminals crucified on each side of Jesus for our second words. Both are guilty, one repentant. We are receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. One mocked Jesus, even as he hung in pain beside him, and the other rebukes the first and appeals to Jesus for when he comes into his kingdom. Guilty, dying, sin-burdened, broken, pierced, bleeding, this man heard the words that he could have never expected. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Our Savior in tremendous agony, physically, mentally, spiritually, could have remained silent or mumbled a reply, but instead he gave a resounding, affirming response to this sinful man. Truly, we will be together in paradise. Mary, the mother of Jesus, witnesses what could never have imagined, she could never have imagined in her worst nightmares, her son, the savior of the world, dying on a cross. With Mary is a group of courageous women holding their ground in a place so volatile that no male disciples even approached this place for fear of their lives, except for Apostle John. 
Mary huddled with her closest friends and family members as they faced this horror. And Jesus looks down from the cross, woman, behold your son. And then turns his attention to John, behold your mother. In the midst of unbearable suffering, Jesus provides for his mother and trusts his closest friend with this sacred duty. These are the third words spoken from the cross. The crucifixion began around nine in the morning, and now it's three in the afternoon, six hours of hanging on a cross, raising himself slightly just to be able to take a short breath and then go on limp again from exhaustion, which cut off breathing again and again and again. The crowd was loud and getting impatient and wanted either a miracle, a spectacle, or to witness an attempt by Jesus' followers to free him. Within this rabble were onlookers and thrill-seekers, Roman soldiers, and religious political leaders. Then Jesus spoke a fourth time loudly enough for any to hear, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The crowd murmured, is he calling for the prophet Elijah? One onlooker took a sponge filled with sour wine and lifted it on a stick to Jesus' mouth for him to drink. And another tried to stop him for the thrill of maybe seeing Elijah come into action. One had a moment of compassion and the other only wanted the thrill of a magic show. As troubling as this is, imagine being in or near this selfish, hateful crowd of rude bystanders and arrogant religious leaders. Yet Jesus was quoting scripture, the 22nd Psalm. Through all this, even hanging on a cross, Jesus quotes scripture that prophetically describes in detail what he is experiencing. I want to pause here after the fourth words and invite you to consider about how each of these situations might resonate with your life. There's no indication Simon of Cyrene knew anything about Jesus before this day. Hearing Jesus' word, seeing his forgiveness of the worst kinds of actions must have left a lasting impression on Simon. It's believed that his sons Alexander and Rufus became influential Christian missionaries. Simon was likely a good person even before meeting Jesus. Yet at some point, we all need to realize that being good is not good enough. Salvation comes by surrendering our dependence on our own abilities and reaching out to depend on Jesus who alone can save us. The criminal on the cross lived a sinful life, was guilty, and through his brief encounter with Jesus, recognized his brokenness and deep need. He cries out to Jesus and is forgiven on the spot, totally unearned, undeserved, unexpected, in moments before his death. And he goes down in history as one of the great examples of the power of God's grace. For some of us, like those with Mary at the cross, we may never remember a time that we didn't love God and surround ourselves with committed Christians. We may not have a dramatic conversion story, but our faith is as authentic 
as the criminal or the pre-converted Simon, and we have as much need for a savior as anyone. I open by asking you to use your imagination to identify with the original hearers of these words spoken by Jesus. I pray there were moments that you could grasp and personalize the grief and world-shaking shock of this experience. The reality is, part of you was there, as is true for everyone who ever has or ever will accept the gift of his offer of redemption, of forgiveness of sins. Our sin was there. Who we are as estranged and fallen people. Our personal debt was being paid in full. Our humanity restored by the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. The sacrifice of Jesus is for all humanity, but it is also very personal. Jesus died that day for you and for me, for a broken and sinful world. This is not only their story back then, this is our story right now. Paul writes in Philippians, in our relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now we will now continue the service with the last three statements from Jesus as he gets closer and closer to death. How quietly Jesus must have whispered these final three statements. I thirst. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I thirst is a statement of Jesus' full humanity as his physical life slips away. How difficult it must have been for God to watch his beloved son die, suffer. Jesus, who was anointed by the Holy Spirit to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, freeing the oppressed, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor, seeing this Jesus broken and beaten, poured out like a drink offering, thirsty, broken, alone, dying. It is finished. Completion. The sacrifice has been made. Redemption fulfilled. Debt paid. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And into his Father's hands, Jesus committed his spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.